to Inner Warmup, where your inner work begins. I'm Taylor Elise Morrison, creator of Inner Workout and author of the Inner Workout book, and you, as always, are our expert guest. Thanks for being here. We've got another episode in our season exploring burnout because I'm keeping it real with y'all. The process of bringing this book into the world burned me the heck out. Shameless plug, if you haven't pre-ordered that book yet, what are you doing? We've got the information in the show notes. You can also head to innerworkout.co slash inner dash workout dash book to pre-order the book and also get a free thank you gift as well. Today on the show, we have my coach, Megan Colleen Johnson. I'm so excited for you to meet her and to hear her message of living your freedom now. It's a shift in perspective to reclaim inner capacity and cultivate new solutions in business and in life. Megan currently resides in Ventura, California with her partner, Alex, and her pup, Patrick, and you can usually find her studying. We nerd out in this episode, y'all. Hiking and taking good care. Want to know how growth starts? With asking yourself the right questions. Our free Take Care assessment asks you 75 questions that get to the root of what you need most right now. After completing the assessment, you'll get a PDF profile with practices based on your results. Head to the link in our show notes to take care today. Hi, Megan. Hello. Hello, hello. I am super excited for this conversation. There are a lot of things that we have been exploring. There are things that I want to explore a little bit more publicly on the podcast today. But before we do that, people need a chance to get to know you. So can you tell us more about what you do in the world and how you came to this work? Of course. Yeah. So I am a life and leadership coach currently. I'm also in grad school for counseling psychology, which is an adventure and a wonderful experience that I'm having. But essentially in my life coaching work, in my leadership coaching work, I help folks make unconscious patterns, which I call those dominant dogma, and which essentially it's like the rules of life that we follow. I help people make those conscious so that you can decide, like consciously decide how you want to show up in life and live more freely. So with that, I kind of say that I'm an explorer of inner worlds. I'm a free thinker. I'm a pursuer of knowledge, but I get to help people on this journey as well. So I typically coach free thinkers like me, multi-passionate creators like yourself writers, therapists. I love working with neurodivergent folks as well. And yeah, that's just like a little bit about what I do. Thank you for that introduction to you and how you approach the work that you do. You are on today wearing primarily your coach hat. We're both coaches who Mm -hmm. have coaches. You happen to be my coach. And as coaches, and you can tell me where I'm wrong, I think it's easier for us because we've had the training of coaching to understand, yeah, this is something that could be useful for me to explore with a coach. But if someone doesn't have that experience, it can be a little bit harder to figure out, do I need a coach? What could I work with a coach on? And I'd just love to hear from you. What advice would you give someone who is trying to figure out if they should work with a coach or 
when is, I don't even want to say when is it appropriate to have a coach, but when would it be useful to ha- to work with a coach or what types of support can a coach best offer? Yeah. So I, I feel like I need to actually cycle back to your first question a little bit too, because I realized I didn't answer what brought me to coaching and this answer will kind of answer that question as well. But I actually came to coaching after working with a life coach for the first time. So during a season in my life, I had been running a business with a business partner and found myself in a position where I was really like kind of at the end of my rope. I didn't know where to turn for help. The business relationship that I was in at the time had become very manipulative and codependent, just had a lot of dynamics in it that were very unsupportive. And in the past, I had worked with a therapist, a couple different therapists. And while I found them helpful in certain ways, they just didn't feel like they would be the right fit for what I needed at that time. And so the term life coach kind of entered into my sphere. I had no idea what a life coach was. And at that time, like Instagram hashtags, I think they're coming back a little bit <laughs> with reels, but Instagram hashtags were pretty prominent. And that was the only way I could think of looking for a life coach. So searched Instagram hashtags for hashtag life coach until I found someone who resonated with me. I had a wonderful first experience. I actually still work with that same coach on and off today. And for me, that was a perfect model of recognizing when a life coach is really supportive, but it's kind of evolved over time too, because now I constantly ensure that I have some type of support system. So really, I tried to evaluate this in three kind of different tips for someone who's trying to figure out if a life coach would be a good fit. So the first one is you always deserve to be supported. So for me, it kind of took getting to the end of my rope to realize that I needed support, but ultimately like we all deserve to be supported, whether that's with a life coach, with a therapist, our community, our partners. And so for me, as I'm like speaking some advice, I suppose, to folks who are considering working with a coach, notice what type of support you need. Do you need community? Do you need an individual who's going to mirror things back to you so that you can, you know, shift patterns in your life that are not working currently. That's kind of more of the life coach role. Do you need a business coach who's going to provide more of that consulting and advice? But ultimately, like take a look at what type of support you most need and how you can fill that. The second thing is the difference between coaching versus therapy. So I'm going to take a deep breath. (laughs) So coaching versus therapy is such an interesting space. So for me as a neurodivergent individual, I have actually found coaching tends to help me get to where I want to be more successfully than therapy. However, when I'm working on really deep kind of healing and looking back at traumatic experiences and um, what are called complexes, then I find therapy is most supportive. And so I really have come to, again, look at what type of support do I need here? Do I need a coach? Do I need the coach that I've been working with for a while that I can kind of show up super messy and gross and she's just going to kind of handle it because we've been working together for five years? Or do I need my newer therapist who's going to help me evaluate my dreams and work through the unconscious patterns that are like showing up in that way? And so kind of evaluating that. And I guess I want to pause 
see if you have any questions so far. No, I'm loving all of this. And I think it's interesting to hear some of your pattern and we'll talk about this more in a, more in a moment, but I'm working with you as my coach. I also am working with a therapist too. And it's been interesting for me to, to navigate what I want to bring into each space. And I'm just reflecting on my own. For me, often I've been trying to have this, is this a therapy question? Is this a coaching question? But what I just heard you say is it's not just about the skill set. It's also about the relationship that's been built there, which isn't a lens that I've been using in my own evaluation. So less of a question, more of just like a, huh, I can start thinking about that too when I'm deciding if I want to talk about it with you or if I want to go through it with my therapist. I don't know if that sparks anything for you, but that's just what came up for me as I was listening. Yeah, no, I love that 100%. Well, because even as I'm studying in school, the relationship, at least within therapy, that's considered to be one of the most important things is when you're working with a client, you develop that relationship. But the fact is like every human that we're engaging with, we're going to have a slightly different relationship. You can't always, you know, go to a therapist and they're going to try and build rapport and it's going to work, right? You're going to resonate with different people. Um, and so for me, I don't know, I'm very attuned to the energetics in different relationships. And so, yeah, with my coach, there's a lot of different things that I would bring to her that are probably more therapeutic in nature. But because of our relationship, because of what I've seen her go through and what I have gone through, it just makes sense. And I know there have been a number of situations too where I might bring it to my therapist and they may not understand it in the same way that my coach would. But then vice versa, my therapist has different education and different, different way that she sees me. It's interesting too, because as I'm thinking about it, my therapist is neurotypical and my coach is neurodivergent. <laughs> and so I think that impacts things too. So it's very much relational though. Like what is my relationship with this person? What is the history with this person? And what does that person also bring to the table in regards to their wisdom and their experience? And I kind of evaluate it from that place. But I try not to get caught up in the labels. As much as I respect like the fact that therapy is regulated, and coaching is not regulated. So you can have a lot of bad coaches as well. For me, some of my most potent healing experiences have happened thus far in a coaching container versus a therapeutic container, but I still find value in both. I think I'm getting a little off track, but yeah. Well, I'm like, you're off track of what's on the paper, but you're on track on things that are interesting to me. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious then. So as someone who had these transformational experiences with coaching mm -hmm. and has also, it sounds like, and tell me where I'm wrong, but it sounds like you have lots of experience in therapy. And then you decided to go to therapy school Mm -hmm. knowing that you have this nuanced relationship with therapy. Could you tell us a little bit more about why it felt important for you to build upon your coaching skill set by getting training in therapy? Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> um, so for me, I think it's important to recognize that for me and the way that I work and what I know about my personality is I am very much like a knowledge seeker um, and like a depth seeker. Like I'm always trying to take in new information. And I think that plays into it for sure. I also really, really value integrity. And so 
for me to be coaching someone and to not have the skill set that I like, I technically have the skills to coach someone, you know, through some really difficult things, right? But I want more. I don't know if, if that's, <laughs> I, I just feel like that some of some of that's just my personality. I want to be extremely skilled at what I'm doing. And I want to be really aware of the dynamics at play for the people that, in, that are in front of me so that I can serve them to the best of my ability. I, I don't take it lightly that when someone comes to me in a coaching capacity or in the future in a therapeutic capacity, like you're messing with their psyche or you can be. And so like growing up for me, I had a lot of experience with narcissistic abuse, being in a high control religion, navigating relationships with folks who have borderline personality disorder. And so because of those experiences and because of how difficult being in relationship with that and how it does mess with your psyche, I not only recognize what that has done to me, but I recognize how, you know, when someone's telling you something from their life or from their business, your response it, it holds weight. And so for me, it feels very important to expand my education as much as I can if I'm going to be holding space for people. Why pursue therapy school specifically? I think to some degree was actually because I have had so many poor experiences with therapy. So I kind of had this like, I'm going to go into the system and I'm going to, you know, I don't know, We'll see if I can actually impact change. I don't know if that's actually, you know, my job or my role to try and do that. But I think that's kind of the initial drive that got me to move in that direction. And in that process, I've also met some incredible therapists. And I think that that's where I have started to take the roles, the titles a little bit more loosely, where you can have really incredible therapists and you can have really bad therapists and you can have really incredible coaches. You can have really bad coaches. Both fields, you know, coaching's unregulated, therapy is regulated, and like it doesn't matter what field you're in. Like there's going to be good and bad of both. <laughs> um, again, I think I got a little off track, but that's kind of a little window into that. I think you ended up exactly where you needed to be. Thank you for sharing that because that's something that I've been curious about especially as I'm intentionally building out my support system. And so it's just nice to hear someone who has their foot in both worlds, both from gaining, ex well, having a lot of experience as a coach practitioner, gaining experience through therapy school, and also being a client in both industries or in of both fields. So mm. thank you for sharing that. My original question, just to tie it back for the listener, I was asking about tips for people for when they're trying to figure out if they should work with a coach or when they should work with a coach. Were there any other tips that you wanted to add there or do you feel like you you covered it? Yeah, I do want to speak to the last tip I have. So the first one was you deserve to be supported. Second is kind of looking at coaching versus therapy. And then the third is finding a pr practitioner who sees you as human. So speaking kind of briefly to this, I do feel like this is one of the biggest things, whether you decide to hire a coach or a therapist or you know something else out there, because I'm sure there are other options, finding someone who really sees you as human. Um, and what I mean by that is, in my experience, there are people who kind of, they might see you as an opportunity, or they might see you as a diagnosis, or they might see you as, you know, whatever that label is. 
And for me, the most impactful coaches and therapists are also explorers. And they're people who see me as human first, not as a label or an expectation or a diagnosis. And as soon as someone places some type of expectation on me, like this is just kind of one example, but sometimes when sharing my story, you know, I can tell when a therapist starts kind of putting labels to things instead of exploring with me and seeing things, you know, just like kind of holding things loosely. And that typically for me has been when the relationship starts to disintegrate, but it's the people that I continue to hold really open wide space and who continue to really see my highest self within me and see me as human experiencing so many different things. That's when like the relationship lasts the longest and where we have really incredible success. And that's what I really work to do is just having such a clean and clear energy. So that's my last tip. I love that tip. And it feels like you're putting words to something that I've experienced, but haven't expressed before. And I I started working with a therapist and for a lot of reasons, ended up moving to a different therapist and reflecting back on that initial experience. A lot of what was happening was like assumption and I'm not a therapist, but from my perspective, it seemed like almost projection, like assuming that this is what was happening. And what I love about the therapist Mm -hmm. that I work with now and also about working with you as a coach is that I can bring something. And yes, in therapies, there's there's the context of my various diagnosis. And Mm -hmm. with you, you've gotten to know me and see some of my patterns, but then there's so often that that open-ended follow-up question instead of like closed it must be this let's go into this mm-hmm. there there's an opening before we start to narrow in and that's what makes those relationships so supportive 100% yeah i i agree with everything you just said <laughs> well speaking of us working together i intentionally started building out my support system. You used the word integrity before, and I knew I was in this place where I was having a book coming out on self-care in addition to all the other things I do in my professional life. And I knew that if I was going to navigate this system, I needed to get support in some ways before I needed it, knowing that the launch was going to be busy, but also I mean, this the season is about how I was burned out. And when we started working together, one of the things I told you in my initial intake document was that I was feeling really disengaged with inner workout. And this isn't something that until now I haven't talked about it publicly, but I was feeling so disengaged that I was like, I would maybe just shut down this business if I didn't have a book coming out that was called Inner Workout. And Mm -hmm. As I look back, I see that a lot of what was happening in that disconnection between myself and my my work at large, but especially my work around inner workout was a reflection of my burnout. Mm. And I'm curious to hear from you. I talk about it a little bit in the book because disconnection does come up a lot in relationship to burnout for me. But in your experience, either personally or what you've seen in clients, what role can disconnection play in either being burned out or working up to the point of burnout? We all have 24 hours in the day. 
But depending on your schedule, your responsibilities, and your finances, it doesn't always feel like that. We built the Inner Workout app to help you practice self-care with the time you have. It's filled with journaling practices, meditations, and mini courses called Journeys that you can complete in 10 minutes or less. But that's not all. Find more time for self-care with lock sessions, which go beyond notification blocking and allow you to lock yourself out of apps that steal your time and attention. Visit innerworkout.co slash app or click the link in the show notes to add the Inner Workout app to your support system. Yeah. So correct me if I'm like, if I take this in a direction that doesn't feel supportive, let me know. But what I see when, hmm, let me gather my words here. As you're doing that, I just want to say this is one of my favorite things that you model really beautifully. And you do it in coaching sessions. You do it when we're in our signal chat, but you'll take that pause and be like, okay, what am I actually trying to say? And there's never a rush to like get something out and say it perfectly. So you just gave me an opportunity to celebrate that that thing that you do that gives me permission to do the same. Well, I'm, I'm so glad. I appreciate that feedback as well. Yeah, I find that really important. It helps me gather my thoughts and, and not rush into something that is misaligned as we're speaking about disconnection. <laughs> So I feel like what's coming up for me, so I actually had an experience with this today, <laughs> ironically. So I feel like that's just what's asking to be shared in re- regards to disconnection. So for me and my podcast this year, I jumped into it with a number of new things that I wanted to add to the podcast. I want to start doing a YouTube channel. I wanted to you know, do multiple different types of podcast episodes and like I was you know very gung ho everything felt aligned initially um however for me what I recognized in the past couple days is that in my alignment with these choices I had forgotten to also look at my energy and my capacity especially considering I recently moved and a number of other things and so as I was working on these different aspects of my podcast I was feeling disconnected. I was feeling burnt out because that integrity and congruence. So integrity and congruence is the, I think it's the fourth phase of my five practices of freedom. And it's where in my clients and in myself, I recognize as we're, you know, recognizing different patterns in our lives, eventually there comes a point when we have to align our integrity, which is what we value, and then our congruence, which is what is true for us. So for me with this podcast, while I was aligned with the values and that felt like everything was really aligned with the podcast in that sense, the congruence of like what is true for me, well, I'm pretty busy at the moment. I have a a full load of classes. I moved recently, so we're still moving in. I have clients and work tasks that I'm working on, family, working on building new relationships in our new town. Like there's a lot going on. And so for me, what I realized was I myself had not followed my own pathway of integrity and congruence. And that's typically how I see disconnection and burnout being so deeply connected is somewhere in our system, there's like a lack of alignment with either our integrity or our congruence. So I'm going to pause there and see how that's landing for you. 
thank you for sharing that, for being willing to be vulnerable in that way. And yeah, it resonates a lot. There's something at Inner Workout, we talk about our inner compass made up of our mission, our vision, our values, and our definition of success. And what I'm hearing for you is a lot of times we can be headed towards burnout when we're there's something off about one of those elements, like you said, the integrity mm-hmm. or the congruence, and also just the reality that we do have a finite amount of energy. And I know for a lot of people in the work, inner workout community, we like to just act as if we have infinite amounts of energy, even if everything feels aligned, that doesn't always mean that we have the capacity to go after it full throttle in this specific moment. And part of that alignment is also it being aligned to our energy, not just like the feeling in our body or we journal about it. We also have to take our capacity into account. 100%. Yeah. I think it's important to just like, this is where self-awareness, I think is such a huge part of running a business. And because you do have those practical markers in your business, and then also being aware of yourself, being aware of your capacity, being aware of your personal integrity. And like you were saying, as far as with personal capacities. So like I am a manifesting generator. You and I have talked about this a couple of times, but I have all of my centers defined in human design, which means I have quite a bit of making capacity. <laughs> and my brain is like, let's do all the things all the time. But then my body's like, hey, yo, like that's actually not accessible for, you know, the body part. The brain is, you know, that's fine. And so I have to be really mindful of even the different parts within myself, kind of like what you were talking about with, gosh, now I'm not remembering specifically, but you were like, I think you said something about body and and mind. But for me, I have to be very mindful of the different voices, even within my own system that communicate. We can do all the things versus, no, we need a nap today. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. Integrity and congruence, that inner compass. And the other thing that I had noted for this kind of aspect of this topic is how this also shows up on a macro scale. Like what we're talking about at the moment is kind of the, you know, the personal application when we're looking at disconnection in ourselves and feeling burnt out. But I think this is really visible at a much grander scale as well when we look at Mother Earth and the narratives that we're taught, especially in the Western, Western world as far as extraction and so on. And so I think when we recognize and we tap into that inner compass, we're actually playing a part as well in that much grander picture of living with more freedom, living with more alignment, living with more self-awareness. Yeah. That's beautiful. I I love that you tied that out. That's actually one of the concepts, you don't know this, but it's one of the concepts of my book that I'm most excited to share about more that I call the ecosystems of care. And it's inspired by Mm. Bronfenbrenner's work around social ecology. And it's all so related. And I bet we'll talk about this, this more, just knowing what other questions we have coming up, but capitalism and the powers that be want to disconnect us from the reality that Mm -hmm. we are a part of nature. And we do the way that we interact with ourselves has an impact on the earth for better, for worse. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Gosh, I'm excited to read your book. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm saying that, I'm like, I can give you a digital copy so you can read it early. So exciting. Cool. That was a little bit about disconnection and burnout, but something that you talk a lot about, which was definitely something that attracted me to you as a coach, you preach it and you embody it personally, is this idea of living your freedom now. And I am really excited to hear your take on this. What is the relationship between freedom or in reality for a lot of people, the lack of freedom and burnout? Yeah. So the relationship between the lack of freedom and burnout. I feel like this really correlates to that integrity and congruence piece. And just the fact that when we feel trapped, we feel a lack of hope. When we feel that we don't have any options, we feel a lack of hope and a lack of freedom, which results in a lot of burnout and you know, physical symptoms as well. And something that can be really interesting if for folks, if they want to dive into this deeper, is also just noticing how neurological development can be impacted. This, when we look at folks with PTSD and so on, like neurological development is actually impacted when there is a lack of control. So when something outside of us happens and we literally have no control, that typically results in some type of you know PTSD, CPTSD type of symptom. And PTSD, the way it appears, it often shows up in ways that look a lot like neurological and actually it does impact our brain chemistry but it looks a lot like you know having difficulty with how we're putting together sentences it can look like you know having chronic fatigue and, and all of these different things right so lack of freedom and burnout is a very real thing so for me when i speak of living your freedom now it's been interesting cuz i've actually had to battle with using that language because in some ways it feels like it could be a really like kind of kitschy mantra, I suppose, that could feel almost dismissive. But for me, those words came both from a modeling from one of my coaches and also from reading a number of different books from folks who have been through a lot of trauma. Um, one specific quote that I wanted to pull out is by Dr. Edith Eager. I quote her a lot on my podcast and in other places, but the quote is, the only place where we can exercise our freedom of choice is in the present. And when I first heard this quote, it was on the Dissenters podcast. Um, and she was sharing this story from when, so she's a, a Holocaust survivor. And she was sharing this story how when she was a child, she was at a concentration camp, I believe. It's been quite some time since I listened to this episode. But she didn't have any food. She had very little choice on her environment. But every day she found one thing that she could choose. She could eat a blade of grass. She could, you know, pick a flower. She could, you know, whatever it was. And for me, that felt like such, you know, of course, it's incredibly traumatic experience still for her. But I think it's that empowering perspective that allowed her to come out of that and still maintain hope. It allowed her to come out of that and heal. 
It allowed her brain to continue to fire in positive ways. And so for me, this live your freedom now mantra and mentality is, okay, yes, there are a lot of things out in the world that I don't have control over. But what is in my power so that I can choose some level of freedom right here and right now? Ultimately, whether we are you know, in a position where there feels like we don't have a lot of control and, you know, life is not going particularly well, you know, et cetera, or we're, you know, billionaires on the top of the world or whatever it may be, we can see that so often, you know, folks who are in really privileged positions are not happy either. So for me, this mantra of live your freedom now, it really is an invitation to choose goodness amidst whatever chaos is going on. I think there are a lot of nuanced conversations that can be had and that I try to begin to discuss in places like my podcast and so on. But ultimately, that's what Live Your Freedom Now is for me. It's a, it's a place where we can choose hope even when the external world doesn't agree with that. And in that process, you know, allow our brains to be familiar with the concept of freedom, freedom in the flowers outside, freedom in the colors in the room surrounding me, freedom in feeling the earth beneath my feet or, you know, the texture of a soft blanket in my hands, finding those tiny elements of life that can bring me joy and goodness. Because then, you know, that does expand my nervous system capacity to experience freedom to experience joy, to experience goodness, so that no matter what is going on around me, I have that inner stability. So I think that's really what that mantra is about for me. And I feel like in my experience and what I've witnessed in my clients and you know what I've continued learning in, in various forms of education is when we can cultivate that inner stability, when we do choose to live our freedom in the present moments, we can become a little bit more elastic in how we handle situations, thus getting less burnt out. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And what I appreciate about having conversations with you on the podcast, but also in our coaching relationship is that these topics are nuanced and they're, they're rich, they're deep. We experience them a little bit differently as individual humans. Like you said, that's why it's so important to find a practitioner who sees you as a human. So that made perfect sense to me. And if anyone's listening and they're like, oh, that's that's not quite my story, use it as a jumping off point. Like what what felt weird about it and how would you change it to make it feel truer and more authentic mm-hmm. to your experience? Like we're all just individuals sharing the expertise that we have around ourselves. And yeah. 100%. That was me getting on a soapbox because self-expertise is something that that's important to me personally. When, but yeah. no, I, I thought the way that you shared that really resonated for me. Yeah. And I do want to share too, I feel like kind of speaking to what you said as far as really that self-responsibility and self-ownership and self-trust, like, oh, that's, you know, that comes back to the practitioner seeing you as human and seeing you as like a capable individual who can trust yourself. That's huge. 
but with this live your freedom now message as well i feel like it's important to state that it is so incredibly nuanced and i encourage you to take what serves you and leave the rest especially as it's a marketing message like if we're going to get into business this is a phrase that yes is meaningful to me but it's also a message that i worked with a business coach on that will ideally land with people and so it's very concise and tight and like phrased in a certain way and all of these different things and that's how you know business functions and that's how you know living in a world that is incredibly nuanced but also in a world where we need to make money there's like tension there sometimes so yeah take what serves you leave the rest and know that there's so much room for exploration in any message that you hear out there thank you for that that was so well said i've got just a couple more questions for you and one to bring it back to my own experience working with you as a coach i at this point we're like what six sessions in and about three, three months, maybe a little over three months in. And Mm -hmm. it's been fun to see myself, like speaking of connection, reconnect to my creativity and to my curiosity and to my joy. And I know I'm not alone in this again, just because of conversations that I've had with other people in my orbit, but joy and play, those two things especially can get drowned out of the conversation around personal development. What's your take on that? Why do you think those things get conveniently left out of personal development? And what's the impact that it can have on us as individuals? Oh, goodness. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny when when I try to engage in these conversations, sometimes the way my brain works is I tend to see everything as so interconnected. And so sometimes I have a difficult time expressing in words the map that I see in my head but essentially joy and play. So joy and play, you know, even as we were just speaking, as I just mentioned, kind of marketing, um, if you experience joy and play without the need of something outside of you, it kind of throws off the whole system that we exist in as far as capitalism. And so in order for capitalism to function, in order for growth and production and you know the western world as it currently exists and as much of the world currently exists at the moment is it requires you to have symptoms to a degree so you can be sold solutions um and so i think that's where again the live your freedom now message comes in and just like the choosing joy and play in the present moment is crucial to you know navigate systems that are not working that are not functioning you know, to the benefit of, you know, individuals and the globe. Gosh, lost my train of thought there. Choosing joy and play is is crucial. Like we, when we choose joy, when we choose play, and I don't mean that in a, a bypass difficult experiences way. I mean, a honor your current experiences and also hold space for joy and play. When we do that, we are actively rebelling against the systems. I'll pause there for a second. How is this landing for you? This makes sense to me. And it's, it is all interconnected. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost, I'm getting distracted now, but yeah, (laughs) it makes a lot of sense that we need to be disconnected from those things so that people outside of us can sell them back to us with a hefty price tag. Yeah. 
like even I'm going to just jump to my website really quick. The, the phrase that I have on my website says, you've been sold a singular vision of happiness, belonging, and success, but you were never meant to fit in the mold. So just that first phrase, you've been sold a singular vision of happiness, belonging, and success. Even what we see joy as being, even what we see play as being, often without realizing it, this is where those unconscious patterns are, without realizing it, we've been sold from marketing companies, from, you know, skincare companies, from, you know, whoever else is out there, what it actually looks like to experience joy. You have to have clear skin in order to experience joy. You have to have, you know, XYZ, you know, tool or type of furniture or, you know, whatever it is. I'm not coming up with good examples, but you have to have this thing in order to experience happiness, belonging, and success. And until you have that, you're kind of an outsider, right? And so that's where like living your freedom now, choosing to find moments of joy in this present moment, that's actually what cultivates true joy, true happiness, true belonging. You weren't meant to fit in these molds of what society and capitalism have cultivated to sell you something. You were actually meant to live free and wild as you are with all of the things. The final thing that I'd like to ask of you before I invite you to share where everyone can find you is we talked about a lot. We talked about burnout and how it relates to freedom, how it relates to disconnection, why we are disconnected from joy and play in the personal development conversation. We talked about my own journey with you as a coaching client. If you could offer up one reflection question, something for someone who's listening to take with them and integrate some of this into their own life, what's the reflection question that you would offer up to them? Mm. I feel like it just seems really simple, but what ultimately comes to mind is, you know, what is one way that you can live your freedom today? And if there were no rules, no shoulds, no have tos, no, you know, whatever else there may be, like, what do you desire for your life right now? Sorry, this is more than one question. And then kind of going back to the burnout aspect of things, what are the agreements that you're currently in? Agreements with yourself and with others? And which agreements feel really good and which agreements don't? And because that's usually like when you look at that, and what I mean by that is like, oh, I've agreed to, you know, sit at my desk every day to write 10 words or to, you know, I have an agreement with my workplace that I'm going to go into work from this time to this time, whatever the agreements are, they can look like anything. Like which agreements feel really good and which ones need to be reevaluated because usually in that that's where you'll find symptoms of burnout symptoms of misalignment that can come forth in very different ways so yeah thank you so much for those beautiful reflection questions if people want to get to know more of you and your takes on freedom and your beautiful interconnected deep dives that you do where can they stay in relationship with you or how can they stay in relationship with you? Totally. So the very best place to connect with me is really on my email list. And you can access that at megscolleen.com. That's M-E-G-S-C-O-L-L-E-E-N.com. 
I am on Instagram. I'm not really posting much on Instagram these days. I've decided to kind of opt out of social media. But I do check in on there and do post stories and respond to DMs and such. So those are the the two best places to find me. Well, lovely. Thank you so much for this conversation. You gave me a lot to think about. And it's just fun to to share a little bit of this. Working with you has been really transformational for me. And so it's fun to give folks a little peek into that. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And as always, it's a pleasure to spend time with you and to kind of explore things with you as well. Thanks so much for your time. And thanks as always for your expertise. If you haven't pre-ordered the Inner Workout book yet, please do that. We've got all the information in the show notes. So you can go to innerworkout.co slash inner dash workout dash book to claim your free gift. If something in this podcast resonated with you, share it with a friend. I bet they would love to join in on the conversation as well. And if you haven't already subscribed, rated, and reviewed the podcast, please take a minute to do that. It makes a world of difference for the show. I'm so excited for you to hear what's next in this season exploring burnout. Take care.